interesting, interesting study. And I don't apologize for reading Romans 8 again because I think you could read Romans 8 every day of your life and you'd be blessed by it. And in our study of Romans, there have been so many truths, and and we're just going to look at a few of them this morning, that really would be and need to be anchors of truth in our life when when we live life. I was going to say when the storms of life come, but they need to be anchors that are there already that we depend on, rest in, that when the storms come, we're not frantically trying to put something together or figuring out um, where is this truth and and that, no, we've really made this a part of our life. You know, Jesus said while he was in his earthly ministry here, in the world you will have tribulation. Um, that is an necessarily anything we want to hear you know we 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 desire security and safety and but he said if you're a follower of me they hated the master what do you think they will if you're a follower of me so Jesus wanted us to be prepared and and he gave us all these truths that that we need to really personalize in our lives. And and again, none of these are new because we've looked at them already. They're, they've been throughout Scripture. But we need to have them so embedded in our hearts that that when all the doubts of life and the darknesses of life that can come, that that we are able to go back to those truths and really say, I know this is what God said. That there won't be um, wavering. The wavering will be on our part. We know we're weak. Um, The last song we said, something about my feeble trail that I tread or something. But anyway... We are weak, but that we can can put our trust in God who never changes. And and not because I feel it, because there's going to be times that you won't feel the truth. But you are depending on the truth. And and we're going to look at seven this morning, but turn to Romans chapter chap, chapter five and verse one. Romans chapter five and verse 1 therefore again we're not going to look into it but he has built his case in the book of Romans that there is no way we can save ourselves we can't keep the law the law is given to show us that we are sinners that we need forgiveness and there's none of us that are righteous and and we we are guilty before God But Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law 
and provide forgiveness of all of our transgressions of the law and to make us his child. And so he's built that case and he's talked about justification in chapter 4 and chapter 5. Therefore, because of justification, because of Christ, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You must rest and and stand in the truth that although I was hopelessly and helplessly lost and dead and condemned by the law, I am now justified in Jesus Christ. And I am restored to fellowship with God and to life and life eternal. That it's nothing of what I've done. It's nothing of, of our own workings. I am justified in Jesus Christ. And and there's a number of things here. Justified, not because of what we've done. Look at I'm at church Sunday morning when it's below zero. No, it's nothing that we've done. It is Jesus Christ alone, and I am justified. Your own guilt can be your worst enemy of the past sins that you've you've committed. God says they're forgiven. You are just as if you'd never sinned in God's sight. I'm not worthy of it. That's right. We're not worthy of it. And we can go on and on and say, I hope I can live up to it. You can't live up to it, but you're still justified. You're not going to live a perfect life, but you're justified. You're Before God, all He sees is the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees nothing else. And and because of that, that gives us liberty in Christ. That gives us joy in Christ. That gives us purpose in life. But there will come times that Satan will bombard you and your own flesh will bombard you with thoughts that, I don't know, if, if you're justified, what about this in your life? No, I am justified in Jesus Christ. In Christ alone is my justification. It's not in anything that I have done. And and there must be a settling of this in our hearts and minds that we know that I am justified in Christ. This is the this is the whole purpose for Christ's coming. And everything else falls under that. But notice if you'd look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, and this ties closely. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Not only am I justified, I am not condemned. We we sing... It is well with my soul, and, and 
I love the third verse. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. See, there is no condemnation. Others may condemn you. You may condemn yourself. But there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And and the weakness of our flesh, we stumble, we fall, but God is there and He picks us up and He is He is not condemning us. He is not taking us by the hand and saying, I'm helping you here, but you don't deserve it. No, there is no condemnation. And and sometimes we struggle with that. We think that we ought to be deserving. Look in chapter 8 and verse 34. Well, verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. So the accuser of the brethren comes and, and says, look, look, look at this child of yours. Look what they're doing. And God says, all I see is they're justified. Then he says in verse 35 or 34, who is he who is he that condemneth? Who can come and condemn you? They're going to meet with Christ who died, and I like how, how Paul said it, who died. Oh, wait, not only died, he is risen again too, and he is at the right hand of God and he's making intercession for you and for me. So here it is, someone's condemning, you yourself are condemning yourself, and Jesus Christ is our intercessor. And he says, wait a minute, that debt is paid for. You can't bring that up. That debt is paid for and finished. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus And these two, justified, I am justified, not in a braggadocious, it's a a humbling, I am justified in Jesus Christ. And you take your condemnation to Christ and bring it up with Him. I am hidden in Christ. It's not anything of ourselves. But we need to learn to live in the light of the work of Jesus Christ. There's people that continually are going around beating themselves up because they're not good enough. You're right. We're not good enough. That's what makes God so wonderful. I am totally unworthy and He has brought me into this. That I'm not condemned. That I'm justified. That I'm a member of His family. I am justified and I am not condemned. And notice in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 9. Well, verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Not only am I justified and I am not condemned, 
the, the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I fear that, yeah, 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 we know that, the Holy Spirit. This is God himself is willing to dwell within us. I mean, this is, this is a personal relationship that cannot be broken. And he gave us his spirit and his spirit guides us. His spirit protects us. His Spirit directs us. His Spirit comforts us. His Spirit corrects us. His Spirit convicts us. His Spirit empowers us. We could do six months of series on the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is what God has given you. So when, when a storm of life comes... You aren't alone. The Spirit of God is in you. I don't have the power for this God. And God says, I know you don't, but I've given you my Spirit. And, and to rejoice, He, the Spirit of God, is our most valuable asset to live the godly life. Why? Apart from God's Spirit, when I go to read the Word, I can't get it. I, but God's Spirit will open it up and He'll minister truth from His Word to our hearts as, as nothing else can do. And, and to, to rest in the fact when it seems like everything is gone, <clears throat> and there will come times in life like that to say, but I know that His Spirit is dwelling in me and He will empower me and He will direct me and He will teach me and He will comfort me. I mean, this is, this is the great gift that God has given in giving Jesus Christ. He gave us His Spirit and He said, if any man does not have the Spirit of God, he doesn't belong to God. So He is saying every believer, the moment you trusted Christ, he gave you His Spirit. He's the seal of our salvation. And He began a ministry in our life. We're justified before God, but now He's sanctifying us. And this is the work of the Spirit of God, and we talked about that. Number four, Romans eight twenty-eight. We all know that, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. God will produce good from every circumstance in our life. There's times that will really be tested. It's not the good that we define, it's the good that God defines. It's to them that love God and are committed to His purpose. What is God's purpose? The next verse tells us. He, his purpose is to make us like Christ. That we should be shaped to the image of God. And, and there come some horrific things in life. And our faith will really be tested to see God, I don't see any good. I don't I can't even imagine any good coming out of this. 
But I have put the roots of my faith down in you, God, and the promise of Romans 8.28, and I am trusting you, and if it's not until eternity, someday I will see the good that you're producing in this. God, help me to be obedient to you. And, And this is where the test of faith really comes. Romans 8.18, he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He said, Paul was saying, and Paul, think of his life, shipwrecked and stoned and left for dead and chased out of towns and persecuted. He said, the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed. God is going to produce good. And that will be tested. And and that's where we're going to need to say, God, I believe your word. And I am standing in the truth of this. and, And I am resting in that. Romans 8, 35 We must anchor our souls in the truth that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Someone has put in their words Romans 8, 35 through 39. Let me just read. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble and calamity or are persecuted or are hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? As the Scripture says, For your sake we are killed every day. We are slaughtered like sheep. You think of that. And when Paul was writing this, every day there were Christians being killed. Every day there were Christians being slaughtered as sheep. No, despite all these things... Overwhelming victory is ours in Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all God's creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You, there can come some overwhelming things in life, But when God says nothing can separate us from the love of God, that's exactly what he means. I mean, Satan can bring his greatest forces, but nothing can separate us from the love of God. It may take our very earthly life, but that doesn't separate us from the love of God. In fact, it it brings us into his presence. And, and he says, this is, is a delight 
This is the joy of our hearts and souls that it must be what anchors our soul in Him that nothing can separate me from the love of God. I mean, think in your own life. The times that you've been tempted to think, maybe God doesn't like me so much. What's God got against me? Why aren't things going better? I mean, they seem to be going okay for them and them and them. And why am I battling this? Satan wants you to believe that God does not love you with everything in his being. That you're the exception. But Paul said, this is an anchor. And I mean, you think of Paul writing this. I'm sure everything he mentioned there, the persecution and hunger and destitute and danger and threatened with all of those, he was, he'd lived through it. And he's giving us a personal testimony I can tell you in all those things, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I mean, this, this ought to make us have a strength as, as nothing, no matter what comes. This is a bond that is unbreakable and, and a strengthening to our faith. So, I am justified. I am not condemned. The Holy Spirit dwells within me. God will produce good from every circumstance as I submit to Him. And nothing can separate me from the love of God. But turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And notice verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. Paul is reminding them, there will be a lot of injustices in this world. And, and you can rightfully, humanly speaking, get angry and upset about it, and you can take matters into your own hands and say, I'm going to make this right. And he says, wait a minute, this is a truth that will be liberating to you that God will bring justice. But I want to see it in my lifetime. No. Rest in the fact God will bring justice. And that ought to be a warning to us. God's going to bring justice in my life as well. But when you have been wronged, and there comes some, some vicious wrongs in life, 
that it can completely derail you for the rest of your life. That you are going to need to to come back to this anchor of truth. God will take care of it. Whatever needs taken care of, God will take care of it. And I need to overcome evil with good. And the peace that that brings, it's comforting to our souls to know that we don't need to trouble ourselves with fretting and conniving bitterness. We can, we can leave it to God. And, and to rejoice that He will do what is right. Just because we think something is unjust, we don't have the whole picture. But we can leave it to God. And, and he rejoices. He said, this, there will be storms of injustice that come and can sweep us off our feet and literally destroy our faith unless we have the anchor of this truth that the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. In other words, he's saying, this is a territory you don't belong. This is my territory You stay over here. And that isn't our territory. That isn't in our control. And when you think of just these six things that that we've mentioned today thus far, I mean, it, it ought to make us, regardless what's going on in our life or in our world, to say, wow, what an amazing God. If number one alone, if we would just grasp that, I'm justified and not condemned. The first two. But then all the others. And, and it should bring us back to the very beginning of Romans where Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Our calling is to proclaim the works of God. That's what our calling. And several weeks ago, we said it really doesn't matter what government you're under. It really doesn't matter the physical. Our calling never changes. We're to proclaim the works of God. And the world desperately needs to know that God justifies and there is no condemnation in Him and that they can have the very presence of God in their life guiding them through the Spirit and that God is able to take everything in their life and make it work together for good and that the world desperately needs to know that nothing can separate us from the love of God and He will bring justice. And, and think of that. That is, that is the good news of Jesus Christ. And yet, we failed to be captured by the love of God. And so, we've made witnessing a guilt trip. You ought to be witnessing as a Christian. Um, It really needs to be the product of a love for God. 
when there's good news, you want to share it with someone. I mean, yesterday, Carol McLaughlin texted and said, Travis, my grandson, beat an undefeated senior in wrestling to qualify for state. I just had to share it with someone. Why? That was good news, right? I think the problem is we haven't really realized the good news of these first six things. I mean, it, it, it shouldn't be, oh, I guess I better, I better try to give someone a card or a track or talk to I mean, if we're, if we're really come to grips with I'm justified, I'm not condemned, the Spirit of God is in me, nothing can separate me from the love of God, and, and whatever happens, wow, He's able to make good come out of it. I mean, this is the sanctification process we're on, and, and it ought to be flowing up out of our lives. And to rejoice in that. So, see, the first command is to love God with all your heart. And what Paul is elevating is, this is the work of God. All throughout the book of Romans, the law, that's a work of God to show you how desperately you need forgiveness. And there's only one forgiveness, and that's in Jesus Christ. And wow, He has chosen you in Him before the foundation of the world. That's incredible. That ought to make us just shout for joy. And now I am no longer condemned. And to rejoice in this, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Man, oh man, what a gift of God. And we need to say, and we need to make it our prayer, God, help me to see the greatness of your love for me and help me to reflect that back to you. See, the problem is we've lost our first love. The book of Revelation, the church at Ephesus, he said, the problem is you've lost your first love. And when our love for God is what it ought to be, the storms of life will come and go, but our love will be unchanged. And our love will be undeniable. I am not ashamed of the gospel of God. I mean, I was condemned and, and now I'm not. Wow, that is... I'm not ashamed of that. I was alone, but now I'm not. The Spirit of God is here. I was a mess. Everything was wrong. But now every wrong, someday He'll make right. I don't know what the future holds, but I know nothing can separate me from the love of God. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be brought back to the greatness of your love for us and that in turn our love for you 
would greatly, greatly grow. Lord, we, we desire to have the love of you flowing out of us. And it's not like you need to do anything more. You've done all that you can. You that spared not your own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will you not also freely give us all things? Lord, you've given us all that you could ever give. So help us to realize and rest in the truths of your word. And Lord, that whatever storms may come, that our faith would be in you and the promises of your word and that we would remain true to you. Lord, thank you for the promises of you. And may our hearts be enthused with you that we cannot help but speak and show forth the glories of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.